A River to Cross, Chapter 29, Out of Place. Quote, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, end quote. Second Samuel, Chapter 11, Verse 1. David was not where he was supposed to be, and he suffered a fall with Bathsheba. I was not where I was supposed to be, and I suffered a fall of a different kind, but the principle is identical. It was November. I was chancery judge over four counties in southwest Mississippi and scheduled for court in Magnolia, Mississippi that day. I was contacted by phone that morning and advised that my cases for that day settled. I had work I could and did need to do, but I elected to stay home for the day. Instead of going into work and taking care of other business, I decided instead to take the day off and enjoy time alone in the woods along the Homochitta River. It was a crisp, bright fall morning, a great time to get on my ATV, ride the trails on our farm to enjoy the hills, hollows, woods, and streams on our place. Since deer season was just a few days off, I decided to check on the placement and condition of our deer stands, looking for any dangerous conditions, obstructions, or wasp nests. This work was definitely needed, but mainly I was just looking forward to being in the woods by myself. My wife had already headed out to New Orleans to pick up her mother at the airport, so she would be gone all day. My three children, Cage, Simmons, and Abby, were all in school. I was supposed to be at work, but I had the day to myself, and I thought, why not enjoy it? The world, the part that needed to know, was of the opinion I was in Magnolia working. That was what the schedule called for, court in Magnolia. Our schedule was usually set almost a year in advance. I decided not to go, quote, out to battle, end quote, that day. I would just sit this one out, stay at home. I loaded up on the ATV and was off through the woods enjoying the beauty of God's creation. I made a pass by several stands, none of which needed repairs or other work. I arrived down at the sandbar on our side of the Homochitta. The sandbar there is probably close to a half mile long, so I just continued with a slow and easy look up the sandbar and along the tree line, searching for deer sign, trails, scrapes, and rubs. It was a cold but beautiful November day, and I was happy just to feel the warm sunshine and enjoy the natural beauty of sand, water, woods, and crystal blue sky. It was a great, great day. Driving along the river up the long sandbar, I was engaging in a favorite pastime, looking for driftwood, unusual rocks, arrowheads, old bottles, and ancient handmade bricks heavily worn by the sand, water, and time. I call it treasure hunting. I then headed off the sandbar to an area just north of an old camp we built back in the 60s. This is one of the most remote sections on our family farm. It's about a mile and a half from the nearest public road, only accessed on foot or with some maneuvering on an ATV. It is a beautiful area with very sandy soil, heavily populated with a variety of tree types, but primarily big oaks with lots of vines, briars, and thick clumps of blueberry bushes. Historically, this area has been very productive for deer. 
two of the larger deer ever taken from our property was killed by Johnny Monroe Sr. and Johnny Monroe Jr. in this exact area. In fact, the stand I was going to check on was a stand that Mr. Monroe had put up some 15 or so years earlier. Mr. Johnny Monroe Sr. had been our county agent for many years. He had worked with 4-H and had been a very positive influence in my life and in the lives of many young boys and girls growing up in Franklin County. I stopped the four-wheeler in a nearby open area and started out on foot for Mr. Monroe's stand. The area I was walking through was more densely wooded with thick briar patches, and the old stand was located in a large pine that had an oak tree growing immediately adjacent to it. The stand had metal steps nailed into the tree, and the steps had been there so long that the tree had grown around and over them leading up to the deer stand. I climbed the metal steps and then stepped up onto the metal conduit pipe which formed the frame of the stand. I was about to step over into the floor of the stand from above to make sure the floor was solid, there were no wasps, and that it was generally safe. I put my hand out to a large limb on the adjacent oak to use it as a steadying point while I stepped over into the stand. Imagine a handle you would use to steady yourself as you stepped into a tub or shower, except this stand was a little bit higher than a tub or shower. The limb was out in front of me, and while it looked good, it wasn't. It was rotten. When I grabbed it, the limb disintegrated like powder. Down I went, and as I fell, I had the clear sense, this is not going to be a harmonious outcome. My next conscious thought was a feeling of great pain in my back and legs. The pain was so intense that I couldn't move. I was temporarily paralyzed from being able to move, and I knew in my heart and mind that moving right then was not a good plan. For a few minutes, I thought, no one knows where I am. I cannot move. My back feels broken. I'm going to die right here by myself. Almost as soon as I had that thought, the following song flowed right out of my mouth. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Instantly, I knew that I would be all right. I didn't know what the outcome would be, but I knew I was going to be all right. I knew that I was not alone. I was reminded we are never alone, ever. After the praise and worship concert, that's a joke because all who know me know that my singing is pathetic. God seemed to say this to me. By the way, you have a cell phone with you. The whole cell phone thing was fairly new and I had forgotten I had one with me. I knew it had been in my jacket pocket earlier, so I started patting my pockets. My hands were working, but my feet and legs and back still seemed to be non-functioning. I then started feeling around with my hands on the ground around me, and the phone was essentially right on top of my head, meaning it was just above my head on the ground. I called Vanessa Walker, my secretary and dear friend for many years. 
she dispensed help, first through her husband, Bill, also a lifelong friend, and through first responders and others. Soon the woods were crawling with great Franklin County friends who always respond quickly and with great ability, care, and concern in times of trouble in our county, just as they had helped me so wonderfully in the 1987 fire. They were back with the same diligence and great timing in this new difficulty. First responders carefully placed a backboard under me and brought me out, partly by hand carrying and partly by ATV. We finally met an ambulance on the dirt road that traverses a part of our family farm. The next stop was, you guessed it, the Franklin County Memorial Hospital Emergency Room, where I have made regular visits since I was two years old. Dr. W.B. Larkin was the attending physician, and after x-rays, he reported that there were two fractured vertebrae, L4 and L5. Dr. Larkin, a great doctor and friend of many years who contributed greatly to the health and welfare of the people of our county, said he would have to pass me off to a neurosurgeon at Baptist Memorial Hospital in Jackson. So it was back to the ambulance for another ride with my friend, Mr. Harrell. They told me I would have to remain on the backboard, which by then I had discovered was almost more painful than the injury. I spent the next 10 hours strapped to that black backboard. While it may be a life-saving device, it is also an instrument of torture. I remember telling a nurse who was accompanying me in the ambulance that day, if you'll just stop and let me off this backboard, I will gladly get out and hitchhike home. I think I would have done anything to get off that backboard. God blessed me. I have backaches today, but I can do almost anything I want to do. I can only say praise be to God for his generous mercy and grace poured out over and over in my life. I especially thank him for giving me a song to sing and friends to help me out of a deep hole again. In writing this account, I have for the first time consciously come face to face with my own tortured history of very significant injuries and other tragedies. I have listed quite a few, but there are a number of others I have omitted. Being struck by lightning in a boat, being caught in a series of water spouts offshore, hitting a huge manatee in an offshore boating accident, being caught in the path of two ocean-going vessels in the main channel of the Mississippi River with a dead engine in my boat, surviving another significant fire while asleep in an apartment in Oxford, getting my foot caught in the tracks at the depot in Brookhaven with a train coming and my mother pulling me out of my shoe at the last minute, being in a car that went off a bridge on River Road at high speed, passing between two huge trees and none of us getting hurt, falling through a bridge with a horse, surviving cancer, living with diabetes and COPD, being placed on oxygen and breathing treatments, living through several more significant wrecks, bankruptcy, foreclosure, and now divorce. You get the picture? I have been through a litany of serious mishaps, far more than most people experience across a normal lifetime. But I never really got that picture, not until now. 
I remember an older friend, Joe Frost, stating many, many years ago, you're an accident looking for a place to happen. I think I didn't understand at the time, but I am beginning to understand today. One of the things I've had to confront in going through this reflective process is why all these things have happened. I have never done any of these things on purpose, especially not purpose the outcome, although I have to admit I put myself in most of the positions that resulted in these various events. I think no one accidentally has as many accidents as I have experienced. I can honestly say that I have never intentionally hurt myself, yet dating back to about two years of age, I have over and over caused or allowed myself to be put in a position of danger or harm. I could speculate about all sorts of psychological issues, but simply put, it's my sense that first, I have done some really foolish things, and I have to accept full responsibility for those. And second, God has known and wanted me to come to know that his hand is upon me for a reason, and he knew what it would take to get my attention. Naturally, one would say, that doesn't make sense. You're in your 65th year. Your time for service is past. God's timing is perfect, and he is never in a hurry. He has a plan for each of us, and when we look back, we see how some men's and women's purpose was not revealed until they were much older than I am now. Further, we might not see or know our purpose while we are still in these bodies. So I close this chapter with this essential spiritual truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 through 6. And it is the plans of God, not those of man, that ultimately prevail. Let us look to him for his guidance.